0: We're going to be learning in Chidusha, bin HaLevi, the second piece in Hilchus Eidos. This is Perak Hei Halacha Vav. And this is a very long and thorough piece. I believe it's the second longest piece in the Sefer. And Rab Chaim explains the view of the Rambam, what makes someone a witness on a shtar. So it seems simple, the fact that they sign on the shtar, but Rab Chaim's going to show that there's layers of complexity to this issue. And in the midst of this long discussion, he obviously gets involved in a lot of other key themes, one of which is the nature of the testimony of a shtar. So this was the key theme of the previous piece. So Rab Chaim picks up on a lot of the same ideas and some of the same sources and develops that idea further. What constitutes the nature of the testimony of a star? And obviously he's going to touch on a lot of other themes in this long piece. Now it's just worth noting that there's a cute catchphrase to define how Rab Chaim understands a Shtaros, which is that according to Rab Chaim, a star ret. The star speaks. So even though it's an inanimate object, obviously it doesn't speak like a live witness. But according to Rab Chaim, that's the halachic definition of a star that it speaks. Now, obviously, that's somewhat of an oversimplification. There's pages and pages in Chiddush Rabenu Chaim Halevi trying to define the nature of a star. So it can't be simplified in two words. But it's a cute line, and it also has a lot of truth. That is one of the major themes of Rab Chaim that a star speaks almost in certain ways the way a witness speaks so there are two tracks of giving testimony one is a live witness and the other is the star speaking what the signatures on the star meant to say so that phrase is certainly worth keeping in mind as we learn through this very fundamental and long piece the Rambam writes, "Star merubin." If there was a star with many witnesses, so more than the two that are needed as a minimum, and then one of the witnesses signed on the star turned out to be a relative or a psul, disqualified, or two of the witnesses were relatives to each other. So basically, there's a problem with one of the witnesses on the document. And the witnesses themselves are not around to ask them what happened. So the halacha is, if there is testimony that all of the witnesses sat down to sign together. So there's a set of witnesses who can testify that all of the witnesses on the shtar signed as one group. So the intention was for all of those witnesses to be the witnesses of the shtar together. So then harzeb battle. Then the shtar is disqualified because it has a disqualified testimony. Since one of the witnesses is disqualified, so the whole testimony is thrown out the window. The Imlav Bashar. Now, if we cannot ascertain that all the witnesses on the Shtar testified together, so we don't know that they signed as a group, then the star is still valid even though one or two of the witnesses are disqualified because the remaining witnesses make it a valid star. So now the Rambam asks, why in fact do we say that this is a good shtar with the remaining witnesses and we ignore the disqualified witnesses? Because it's possible that the kosher witnesses signed on the document and they left an open space for someone who was higher status than them. So let's say there was a great Talmud Chacham or a great Tzaddik, someone who was going to be signing on this document so the witnesses wanted to honor him so they left an empty space for him to sign above them and then the relative or the puzzle witness came and signed in that empty space without the kosher witnesses knowing that he was doing so, so since we don't know that they all signed as one group, it's possible that the kosher witnesses signed on their own and then afterwards without Their knowledge, the non kosher invalid witness signed, but they knew nothing about that. So the non kosher witness was not part of their group at all. They never intended to testify along with him. So his disqualified testimony is not going to ruin the kosher witness's testimony. And the fact that he signed earlier on the document than the kosher witnesses can be explained that maybe they had left an empty space. So that's how the Rambam explains. Explains this halacha why one disqualified witness on a star does not ruin all the testimony on the star. So Rab Chaim asks on the explanation of the Rambam, why do we say that since it's a suffix, we don't know whether all the witnesses signed together, the kosher and the non-kosher witnesses, or if the non-kosher witness signed on his own and is not part of the group. So the Rambam says, since we don't know and we can't ascertain what happened, so the star is. Valid. But Rab Chaim asks, what about the other way? Since it's possible that they did all sign together as one group, so maybe the star should be invalid. So, why, when there's a suffix, do we err on the side of making the star valid and not instead be concerned that it's an invalid star? So Rab Chaim explains because the essence of a star is that the testimony, the signatures on a star, is k'mishinechgura idusan bebezdin. It's as if the testimony was already accepted in court. So there's a certain assumption that any testimony in a star is considered valid, as if the court already accepted this testimony. So we assume that the witnesses did not do anything wrong. They did not give invalid testimony on the shtar. As the Gemarin Ksubis Yodches says that even if someone claims that the witnesses were coerced or they were children or they were invalid non-kosher witnesses, the fact that they're signed on a shtar indicates that that's not true, that this was valid kosher testimony. So the same is true in this case where we're unsure whether the kosher witnesses signed as one group with a non-kosher witness or if they signed on their own. So since they signed on a star, the assumption is that the testimony was done properly. So in a case of Suffolk where we don't know what happened, we're going to assume that the testimony is valid and the non-kosher witness signed on his own, but not as part of the group. So that's why in a case of a suffix on a shtar, we lean on the side that it's valid. And the same idea is in Tosos and in Gi'in Ches and Baba Basr Kuf Samech Bez. Tosos says that if there are relatives signed on the shtar, so we can assume that they only signed in order to fill in the missing spaces, but they did not intend to be witnesses. So Tosos then asks, what about the Gemara in Makos Vav, which says that if there are non-kosher witnesses who witness the incident along with the kosher witnesses. So we have to ask the non-kosher witnesses, did you intend to be witnesses or you were just spectators? So according to this Gemara, we have to clarify what the non-kosher witnesses were intending to do. We don't just assume that they were spectators and they're not part of the witness group. So the same should be true of a star. Why don't we call in all the witnesses and clarify what happened instead of assuming that it's valid testimony and the non-kosher witnesses just signed in order to fill in the empty spaces. So Rabbeinu Tam answers that a shtar is different because it's same idea that Rab Chaim just said, that the testimony of a shtar assumes that it was done properly. One of the components of a shtar is that when we see testimony that potentially has some problems, so we assume that it's done correctly because the essence of a shtar is that the Witnesses signed on the star, it's as if their testimony was accepted validly in the court. So the same idea is in this halacha, in the Rambam, that even though there are non-kosher witnesses signed on the document, we assume that the document was done properly, and the non-kosher witnesses signed on their own after the kosher witnesses had already signed. So even though it's a suffix, we can't figure out what happened, the shtar is still valid. But says Rab Chaim, this raises another question though, because if that's the explanation for why it's a valid shtar, so the Rambam added that if we can ascertain that all the witnesses signed together. So if the witnesses are here and we ask them, Did you all sign as one big group? and they say yes, or if there is other testimony that all of the witnesses signed together. So if there's some way to ascertain that they did sign as a big group, then the star is disqualified. And that goes against the Gemar and Ksubis Ches, which says that even if the witnesses themselves say that they signed improperly, so even if the witnesses say that they were children when they signed, or that they were forced to sign, they're still not believed because the testimony on a star has a life of its own. So the witnesses cannot contradict what they wrote in the star. Once they sign the star, the testimony is out of their hands. And even if they claim later that it was false testimony or that their testimony was disqualified for some reason, it doesn't make any difference. And the testimony on the star is still valid. Which is the principle called Kivan Shehigid Shuv Umagid? Once a witness testifies, he can't retract his testimony. In Halacha, a witness has no ability to retract their original testimony. So even if the witnesses say that their signature on the Star was falsely done, it doesn't make a difference. And the Gemara Subis Yud says that even if other new witnesses come and they testify that the signatures on the Star were done improperly, it Also doesn't disqualify the shtar. It's considered tre utre. It's like two sets of witnesses contradicting each other. So the witnesses on the shtar are testifying that they did a proper testimony. And then the two other witnesses are testifying against them. So it's two against two. And it's considered a suffix. So now this poses a question on the halacha of the Rambam. Why if the original witnesses themselves retract their testimony, meaning they say that they all signed as one? One big group with invalid witnesses, or if a new set of witnesses comes and testifies that all the witnesses signed as one group, why does that disqualify the original star? Since the testimony on the shtar stands on its own, it's as if it's already accepted, so it should be able to withstand the retraction of the original witnesses or the new testimony of the second group. So why does the Rambam rule that the star? is invalid in those cases. So it must be that the Rambam does not hold of this idea that since the shtar is K'mishinech and Bebezdin, so testifying that one of the signatures was a car over a puzzle, a disqualified witness, is not going to affect the shtar. The Rambam holds that since the new testimony is that the original group of witnesses who signed on the shtar were disqualified because of the invalid witness, so the whole K'mishinech doesn't get started. There is no commission. Doesn't because the witnesses, the signatures to begin with, were disqualified. So that's why the new testimony is able to disqualify the original signatures, and we don't say that the star can withstand the new testimony. But if so, now we're back to Rabbi Chaim's original question: Why, in a case of suffolk, do we lean on the side that it's a valid star, since there's no commission? If it turns out that all of the witnesses signed as one group, so in a case of Suffolk, we should be concerned that that's what happened and invalidate the shtar in order to err on the side of caution. So, to explain this, Rab Chaim asks an even more fundamental question. Why is there an issue of Adu Shabbatla Mikhtsosa Batla Kula that if one of the witnesses is disqualified, the whole testimony of the whole group is disqualified? Why does that even apply to Ashtar to begin with? Because that whole halacha applies to witnesses who testify together. So, if three or four witnesses show up in the same court, and they give their testimony together, and the court accepts their testimony as one group. So that court accepting their testimony altogether combines all of those witnesses together and if one of them is disqualified then it ruins all of the testimony of the whole group so that can only apply to live testimony where the witnesses show up in court together and are unified into one group it does not apply to witnesses who sign on a star where there is no acceptance of the testimony in based there is no court that accepts this testimony the essence of a star is its commission. The testimony is automatically as if it was accepted in court, but it was not actually accepted in court. So there are two different tracks. There's live witnesses who show up in Beistin and give their testimony, and then there's witnesses who sign on a document where the testimony is automatically accepted. But there's nothing to combine all of the various witnesses together in the case of a star, because each witness, as he signs on the document his testimony is as if it was delivered in based in but it wasn't delivered in based in so there's nothing combining and bringing the whole group together so even if one of them turns out to be an invalid witness it should only disqualify his signature His personal testimony, but not the testimony of the whole group because nothing was combining this group all together. So the whole halacha that one invalid witness disqualifies all the witnesses should only apply to live testimony given in one court together, but witnesses who sign on a document together. So Rab Chaim says that's more comparable to witnesses who deliver testimony in two different courts. So obviously the witness in one court is not going to disqualify the witnesses in a different court. So the same is true in Ashtar that each of the witnesses is giving their own testimony. There's nothing unifying the whole group together. So if one of them is disqualified, it should not affect the rest of the group. So why does the Rambam say clearly that it would affect the rest of them? Because if we can ascertain that they all signed as one group, then all of the testimony is invalid. Why should that halacha apply to the case of Shtar at all? So to explain this, Rab Chaim says that the whole halacha of a Shtar, which is a suspension that the witnesses don't need to deliver their testimony. That's the essence of a Shtar. That ordinarily the witnesses have to show up in court and deliver their testimony live. The concept of a star is that that process is suspended. The witnesses who sign on a star don't need to deliver their testimony live. They don't need to go to court. The star gives it on their behalf. So it's Kamish, Nehker, Idusan, bebezdin The Shtar is their way of delivering testimony, and they don't need to follow the ordinary process of delivering testimony. But that's all limited to the process of delivering the testimony. So the shtar suspends the ordinary rules of how to give testimony. And even though there was no delivery of the testimony, it's still as if these witnesses testified. But when it comes to the actual intrinsic testimony itself... So, not the delivery of it, not the Hagadas edus, but the actual edus itself, what constitutes the testimony itself that they're saying so there the star doesn't change anything. the testimony in a star still has to meet the overall qualifications of any other testimony. The only thing the star does is changes the mode of delivery, but the actual ADOS itself has to meet all the regular qualifications of Of what defines Eidos. So, when is the Eidos on the star defined? So, obviously, it's when the witnesses see what happened. So let's say the star says that so-and-so loaned so-and-so a hundred dollars. The testimony is created when the witnesses who sign on the shtar view that loan. So at that moment, they've now become witnesses in this situation. But says Rab Chaim, in addition to that, not only seeing the incident makes them witnesses, but also seeing, witnessing the signing of the shtar also is a valid form of seeing testimony in this case because they're seeing that the star was made. So that itself is a form of testimony to be able to testify that this shtar was done properly. It was signed. So that also makes them witnesses. And the proof for this, says Rab Chaim, is the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Lamid Bez, which asks that how could a post-dated shtar, so let's say someone loaned money on Tuesday and the shtar says that they did it on Wednesday, the day after. So that is a valid shtar. So the Gemara asks, how could that be? It's lacking drisha v'chakira which is the thorough examination of the witnesses. In other words, this is false testimony because the witnesses on the shtar are saying that it happened on Wednesday when it really happened on Tuesday. So we see that the date on the shtar is described by the Gemara as the thorough examination, the drisha, the hakira So in ordinary testimony, the witnesses come and tell their story and then the court examines the story. The Gemara in Sanhedrin calls that process of examination the date on the star, but Rav Chaim asks how's that going to work because ordinarily when the court asks questions of the witnesses they're asking about the story that they're testifying they saw So if they say that someone killed someone on Tuesday, the court is trying to ascertain that it was actually on Tuesday, not on Wednesday. But the court doesn't care when they deliver their testimony. So let's say the guys show up in court on a Thursday. The court's not going to examine them whether they delivered their testimony on Thursday or on Wednesday. The court doesn't care. They only care about the story that they're saying that they saw. So in this case, the date on the star is not about the story. It's about the star. It's not saying that so-and-so loaned the money on this date. It's saying that the star was written on that date. So it's not that the story itself happened on that date. It's that the testimony of the star was given on that date. So why is the court busy examining whether the testimony is on the proper date or not? What does it matter when in general Drisha Hakira is about the story and not the testimony itself? So who cares if the date on the star is off? When that has nothing to do with the date on which the story happened, if we actually want drisha v'chakira in the star, then it should have to say so and so loaned money on Tuesday. In other words, it should have to identify the date on which the loan took place. So says Rab Chaim. We see from this that the Gemara considers the signing of the star, which is the testimony of the star, to be a valid form of witnessing. Even though ordinarily the witnesses are only about the story that they saw, that's what makes them into witnesses. It's not the delivery of the testimony, it's the viewing of the actual story. But witnesses on a shtar works differently. The key point of what makes them witnesses is that they saw this shtar being signed, not the fact that they saw the incident mentioned in the shtar. So that's why when the Gemara wants to discuss the Drish of Hakira, what do we examine? about this testimony to make sure they're not lying. We examine the date on which they made the star because that's the essence of what turned them into witnesses. So we're not going to bother with the date on which the actual story happened because once they signed on a star, it's the signing itself that turned them into witnesses. So now we need to ascertain what date did they sign on and was that the proper date and that's the Dreshev hakira of a shtar. So this proves Rab Chaim's point that witnesses on a shtar work differently than normal testimony. What makes them witnesses is viewing the signing of the shtar, not seeing the story that's mentioned in it. So now this concept is going to answer Rab Chaim's question, why does the rule of Eidus Shabbat L'meqtos HaBat kula apply to Ashtar to begin with when each witness who signs on the Shtar is considered an independent testimony? Says Rab Chaim, that is true, that each witness is giving testimony on their own, but that's only in terms of the delivery. So the haggadah's Eidus of a star each witness is giving the testimony on his own and disqualifying him would not disqualify the delivery of the rest of the witnesses that signed on the star. But that's all in terms of the delivering, giving the testimony. But in terms of the actual edos itself, meaning what turned these people into witnesses, so there the star doesn't change anything. That has to follow the normal rules of who's considered a witness in this case. Now the main definition of who's a witness is going to be who witnessed and signed on the star. So the moment of the signing on the star turned that group of people into the witnesses on this star. So that means that they're all going to be considered one group of witnesses together, even though delivering the testimony is done independently, but they're all one group of witnesses who signed and witnessed the signing of the star. And that moment combines the whole group together. So now we do have a concept of a combined unified group of witnesses on a star. So that is going to explain why the Rambam applies the halacha of Eidu Shabbat Lakula that if one of them is disqualified, the whole group is disqualified even to signatures on a star. Because Rab Chaim's question had been that since each of the witnesses is testifying on his own, it's as if two different groups of witnesses testify in two different courts, so they would not nullify each other's testimony. So the same should be true in a star. But now we understand that there is a difference because the halacha that if one of the witnesses turns out to be invalid, it affects the whole testimony. That applies both to the delivery of the testimony to the Hagadas Edus as well as the Reiya, the seeing and becoming witnesses. So both of those steps in the process are affected if one. One of the witnesses is invalid. And that's what the Mishnah in Makos Davav says, that if they all intended to give testimony together, including a non-kosher witness, so that invalidates the testimony, even though when they come to court, the non-kosher witness wasn't there. But since when they saw it, he was part of the viewing of the testimony, so that invalidates the whole group. So we see that the non-kosher witness invalidates both at the delivery as well as the viewing of the testimony and the Rambam records that halacha in pareket so the same is true in this case where they all gathered together to sign the star since at that moment they were a big group and one of the witnesses was invalid so he invalidated the viewing of the star so at that moment the entire group of witnesses was invalidated Even though their subsequent delivery was fine, but they never started off, they never became witnesses to begin with, because viewing the making of the star, which makes them into witnesses, was done improperly. One of the members of the group was an invalid witness. And in fact, says Rab Chaim, a careful reading of the language of the Rambam in this halacha shows this explanation. The Rambam's language was, If there is clear testimony, that they all gathered together to sign, So they all intended to testify together, so now the star is disqualified. So the reason the Rambam offers why one invalid witness is going to disqualify the whole group is because they all intended to testify together. So when they sat down to sign the star, the intention was for all of them to be witnesses. Says Rab Chaim, why do we need to say that? Even without their intention to testify together, they all ended up signing on the star together. So why isn't the Rambam focusing on the fact that they all signed on the shtar, including the invalid witness? The Rambam is emphasizing a different point, that they all intended to view the signing of the star together. Which seems secondary to the real problem that they all signed, so they all gave edus together, including an invalid witness. Says Rab Chaim, this emphasis of the Rambam is exactly what he's saying: that the issue is not that they signed on a star, because when it came to signing, they're each considered an independent witness. So the non-kosher witness signing is not going to affect the others who signed. The only problem is the viewing, since they all showed up to see the signing of. The star together, and their intention was to be one big group for testimony of viewing the star. So their whole testimony is disqualified because none of them became witnesses because the viewing was problematic because one of the members of the group was a non kosher witness. So that's why the Rambam attributes the issue here to niskavnu leheid that they all intended to see the stars signing and be witnesses together. Meaning the problem is in the edus itself. None of them became proper witnesses, not in the signing, which is the Haggadah's edus, the delivery, because there, in fact, there is no problem if one of them is disqualified. They're each independent. But the Rambam is saying there is a problem in the whole testimony, in their status as witnesses, because they all came to see the Star signed and to view the making of the shtar together. And in that group was a non-kosher witness, so he ruined all of their status as witnesses. So that's the explanation of Rab Chaim for this detail why one of the witnesses can disqualify the others, even on a star. But now Rab Chaim questions this approach because he argues that not only does each witness who signs on a star give his own testimony independent of everybody else, but the viewing of the making of the star works similarly. So each person is there to see their own testimony, their own signature of the star, but they're not there to witness everybody else's signing of the star. So the signing of the star and the seeing the signing of the star are parallel. In both cases, each person is only there to see and then to sign their own signature, but they're not part of a broader group. So now we're back to the question. Why if one of those witnesses is disqualified? does it affect any of the other witnesses when none of them are there together as a group, each one is only there to see their own signature, but they're not there to see the other signatures. So even if one of the witnesses viewing the signing is disqualified, it shouldn't affect anybody else's signature, only their own signature. So why are the other signatures affected by that non-kosher witness? So, Rab Chaim formulates this concept a little differently. What creates a cohesive group of witnesses is not that they're all there to see the star. That was the original formulation, but Rab Chaim doesn't like that. What creates a cohesive group is that they're all there to make a star. Nothing to do with the signing of the star, but the star has certain power, so it's going to create a transaction or a lien. There's all sorts of effects that are going to happen as a result of this star. So since they all gathered to create a star, that itself makes a cohesive group, having nothing to do with the actual signing of the star. So it's true. In terms of the signing, each witness is independent. They don't affect each other. And that includes also the viewing of the signatures of the star. So anything having to do with signatures, everyone's treated independently. But in terms of the actual power of the star itself, so now this star is going to change things in the world. The creation of that star brings them all together as a group. All of the witnesses gather together to create that star. So now there's one group. And if one of them is disqualified, it disqualifies the whole group because there is a cohesive group. So if one of them is a non-kosher witness, it will affect the other ones. So that's the way Rab Chaim reformulates this idea. So now from this we learn a further idea, which is originally Rab Chaim had said, What makes someone a witness on a star? So he said it was the fact that they witness the signing of the star, meaning being part of the signing of the star makes someone a witness on the star, not having seen the incident described in the star. So that was the first way Rab Chaim differentiated between regular witnesses versus witnesses on a star, that regular testimony has to do with. The incident they saw, whereas witnesses on a star has to do with the signing of the star. Now, Rab Chaim reformulates this in line with his previous formulation, which is it's not the signing on the star that makes them witnesses, it's being a part of the star. So, the essential definition of being a witness on a star is not signing the star, it's being one of the witnesses who are part of making this a star, and then the people. Who are part of the star, the witnesses to this sign on the star, and that's what turns this into a star. But the signature is a result of them being the witnesses to the creation of the star. So that's why they're all considered one group because since they all gather to create the star, now they become the witnesses. The result of that is going to be that they're going to sign on the star, as well as if one of them is dis. it disqualifies the whole group from being witnesses because there's a problem with the essence of the Eidos. So that's Rab Chaim's refined approach to explaining what makes someone a witness on a star. Now Rab Chaim adds... That a similar distinction can be made even within the signing of the star. So even though it's true that the signatures are each independent, as Rab Chaim said, but the act of signing the star includes two different components. There's the signatures itself, which are independent, but then each one of them is testifying to the star through their signature. So in terms of that, they're all gathered together to see this and to make it into a star together. So on that level They are all combined into one group So even within the signing of the Shtar There is a component That they're all joined together And the proof for this Is the Gemar and Sanhedrin The Brysa there Records two different debates About the nature of testimony The two witnesses testimony Is not considered one group Unless they all see it together Reb Yoshua ben Even if they see the incident one after the next. Likewise, the first view is that they have to testify together in court in order to be considered a group of witnesses. Reb Nassen says that one can testify today and the other testify tomorrow in court and they still combine together. So there's two debates. Do the witnesses need to see the incident together or they could see it separately? And do they need to testify together or could they testify separately? So Rab Chaim asks... How can the first view say that if witnesses testify in court separately, they're not considered valid witnesses, they don't join together? What about every shtar? In a shtar, the signatures are all independent. They're not testifying together. Each person's individual signature is So how do they combine according to the view that disagrees with Reb Nassan, who says that the witnesses have to testify together, otherwise they don't And the Gemarin, Baba Basra, Kuf Samechei, says that if one witness testifies in one court and a different witness testifies to the same thing in a second court, so whether they combine depends on the debate between Reb Nassan and the Rabbanan. So according to Reb Nassan, they do. According to the other view, they don't. And Rab Chaim said that every shtar is the equivalent of that case. It's like each witness testified in a different court. So how is any star going to work according to the view of the Rabbanan? And likewise, the same question on the first view, the Rabbanan who disagree with Rabbi Yeshua Ben Karcha, they hold that the witnesses need to see the incident together in order to combine. But again, every shtar, even though the witnesses gather and they witness each other signing on the star, but Rabbi Chaim just said that they don't connect. Each witness is there to witness their own personal signature. They're not viewing the signing of the other witnesses. So there's no combined viewing of the incident, which is the signing of the star. So according to the Rabbanan, how does that work? They hold that the witnesses need to see something together in order to combine as witnesses. So how do the witnesses on a star work according to these views in the Brisa that the witnesses have to combine together in some way? So Rab Chaim suggests two answers. Number one is that a shtar does combine the witnesses who sign on it. So even though each witness is doing their own testimony, but the shtar brings them together, and that's one of the elements of a shtar, that it provides the combination. So the criteria of the witnesses combining together that the rabbanan require is met in a shtar. The second answer is very interesting. It's suggested by an anonymous person who referenced Rab Chaim's previous piece. In that last piece, Rab Chaim explained that according to the Rambam, the essential concept of Ashtar is that it doesn't need testimony in court. So all the normal rules of testimony are suspended when it comes to Ashtar. Ashtar is a different track of testimony that doesn't need to meet the criteria of regular testimony. So just like it's Suspends all the rules of testimony. It also suspends this requirement that the witnesses combine together. None of that is needed in a star. So the second approach holds that there is no combination of witnesses in a star, but it's not needed because those are the rules of giving testimony, Hagadas Edos. So they don't apply to a star. So those are the two solutions. Now this is very interesting historically. This is the only living person recorded in Chidusha ibn Uchaim Halevi who discussed these ideas with Rab Chaim, and he's quoted anonymously. Even though Rab Chaim quoted Rab Simcha Zelig, the Dayan of Brisk, his good friend, in three of the earlier pieces, but he doesn't quote Rab Simcha Zelig responding to what Rab Chaim had said, whereas this person is applying Rab Chaim's previous piece to answer a question in this piece. So it just emphasizes how interested Rab Chaim was in the concept of Shtaros, that this was obviously something that he came back to again and again, and he was discussing with people People, and his earlier ideas made it into some of his pieces as he was building and discussing these various ideas. So it's an interesting reference. But Rab Chaim's point with this whole thing is, as he said before, a star only suspends or affects the rules of delivering testimony. So it changes the Haggadah's Edus because obviously the witnesses on a star do not show up in court and give live testimony. So a star changes the delivery of testimony, but it doesn't change the nature Nature of ADOS itself, the Eidos still has to follow the criteria of the regular form of Eidos. So now we're back to our question on how does a star work? Because these answers only explain why the witnesses are combined in terms of Hagadas Eidos. So either the star combines them or they don't need to combine in order to deliver, quote unquote, their testimony. But all of that only accounts for how they deliver their testimony. But there's still a problem with the intrinsic testimony with the witnesses themselves, because the witnesses need to Combine in some way. That's the rule of the Rabbanon that the witnesses cannot be separate witnesses. They need to be combined into a group by seeing the incident together. If they see it separately, then they don't combine. So we still have the same question how does a shtar work, even though it's true that the delivery of the testimony can either be separate or the shtar combines them together? But the first Rabbanon who disagree with Rabbi Yoshua ben Karcha and they hold that the witnesses need to see the incident together. So a star is not going to solve that problem. So again, how does any star work when the witnesses don't see the signing of the star together? So to answer this, says Rab Chaim, this proves what he just suggested, that there are two components to witnessing the signing of the star. There's the actual signing, which each witness does on their own, and they only witness their own signature. But then there's the creation of the star. And in that, all of the witnesses combine together to be one group to create the star. And there's an element of signing the star, which is also the creation of the star, and they're all in on it together. So that's what combines witnesses on a star, according to the Rabbanon of Rabbi Yeshua Ben Karcha. Since they all gather together to be a part of the signing of this star, which is going to turn it into a star? So they're all part of one group that's doing this process together. So that combines them. And that's what makes them all into valid witnesses. And Rab Chaim proves this because the Gemara Babi Basra, Kuf Samechei, says that according to the Rabbanan of Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha, if the witnesses on a star sign separately, so let's say one comes in and signs and then leaves and then the next one signs so they do not combine together. Only if they sit down together and sign it, then they combine to be witnesses on the star. So we see like Rab Chaim saying that the witnesses do need to combine and what combines them is being part of the group that's going to create the star together and gathering together to sign it. So even though the signing itself can't combine them because just seeing the other signatures or the person signing is not enough, but being part of the group that's signing it in order to create a star does combine all of them together. So this proves like Rab Chaim saying that there are different components to what the witnesses in a star are doing in terms of the signing itself each one is independent and even the viewing of the signing each one does independently but in terms of creating the star and in terms of viewing the signing as part of creating the star so that they all do as one group together and in that they're all combined so that's why if one of them is invalid the whole thing is invalid the issue is not in the signing because that they each do independently but the issue is that if they all gathered to sign it together so they all intended to be witnesses together, that's how the Rambam explains this halacha, so that formulation emphasizes that the issue is that they gathered as a group to create the star, and if one of them is invalid, the whole group is invalid. So this whole analysis explains in a refined formula how the witnesses on a star combine into one group, and why one of them will affect the others. Now, in the fourth paragraph, Rab Chaim brings another proof to this whole concept. There is another problem with the rule of Eidu Shabbat L'miktsasa Batla Kula applying to Ashtar because the Gemara in Makos daf Vav quotes Rava V'hu Sheheidu Kula Betoch kdei Dibor. The measurement for including witnesses together is what's called Toch kdei Dibor, which is about three to four seconds. So if there's five witnesses and each one starts testifying within three to four seconds of the previous one so then they're all connected and if one of the witnesses is disqualified it disqualifies the whole group. But if there's a break between the witnesses, so two of the witnesses testify, and then five minutes later, two more witnesses testify, then we don't view them all as one group. And the reason for that is because so long as there's a continuous stream of witnesses, so the first witness is able to retract his testimony and he could say what I said was not true. But once there's a break between witnesses, so that seals the first testimony, and those witnesses can't retract because of the rule of A witness cannot retract his original testimony once it's been accepted. So that's why Rava says that the entire group has to be unified by there being a continuous stream of witnesses without a break between the witnesses. So now Rab Chaim argues that there is a very subtle difference between live witnesses versus witnesses on a star, Which is that if a live witness gives testimony and then toch kadeh dibor, before it's accepted, he retracts. He says that original testimony was false testimony. So certainly if it turns out that what he said the second time around was correct, the first thing he said was false, so it's clear that the first testimony is nullified because he retracted it within a few seconds. But even if it turns out that the second time he was lying, so what he said originally was true, the first thing he said was true, and then when he said it was false the second time, that was in fact the false testimony. But even so, he nullified his first testimony. So later on, when we realize that the first testimony was in fact true and the retraction was false, even so, we're not going to accept the first testimony because he already retracted it, so he nullified it, even though it was true. But that detail is different for witness is on a star. Because if someone signs on a star and then within a few seconds they retract that testimony, they say that was false testimony. So if it turns out that what he said the second time was true, the signing was false. So since he retracted Toch de Dibor, we nullify the signature on the star and we believe his retraction. But if it turns out that his retraction was false, so we then clarify that the signature was correct, the retraction, was false. So even though he did the retraction toch de Dibor, the signature still stands because since it turned out to be true, so now it turns out that the signature on the star was a proper signature. So that signature, that testimony remains valid even though he tried to retract it. And the reason for this subtle distinction is based on one of Rab Chaim's key themes of a difference between testimony versus star. because live witnesses require Haggadah's edus, They need to deliver their testimony. So since he retracted it, even though the original testimony was correct and the retraction was not but the retraction nullifies the hagadas edus there was no proper delivery of testimony because he retracted tokhade dibor so we don't look at what's true or not because it requires a valid testimony and it's missing that as opposed to the star where the whole essence is that it does not require valid testimony it does not need hagadas edus the testimony of the star is itself the form of giving testimony, but it doesn't need a valid Haggadah's Edos. So even though he retracted it, if it turns out that the signature was correct, so in hindsight, the testimony of the star, meaning the signature on the star, was a proper signature. It's as if that testimony was accepted validly in court. So even though he retracted it, so it's true, there is no delivery of the testimony. There's no Haggadah's Edos, but we don't care. Star. It doesn't need Haggadah's Eidos. So the retraction doesn't affect the signature, assuming the signature is true. So now, based on this, we're back to the question how could the halacha that one non kosher witness invalidates the whole group apply to signatures on a star? Because since the concept of Toch de Dibor doesn't apply to signatures on a star, and that's what unifies the whole group together, that's what the Gemara explained that the reason why all all of the witnesses are combined so that if one of them is disqualified, the whole group is disqualified, is because since there's a continuous stream of witnesses, toch dibor one after the next so the first witness could still retract his original testimony so they're all considered one group but in the case of the shtar there is no toch dibor because the signature on the shtar is valid as soon as it's signed there is no retraction period even if the person retracts it a few seconds later that doesn't affect the signature on the shtar which already has the rule of k'mish dusan bebezdin as if it's already been verified so certainly when they sign one after the next, there's no combination between the various signatures, even if they sign within a few seconds of each other. It doesn't matter because each signature, as soon as it's completed, the person is done giving testimony. So there's nothing again to combine the group together. So there's no reason that one non-kosher witness signed on the shtar should affect the other witnesses. So that's Rab Chaim's further question, how does this halacha apply to signatures on a shtar? Says Rab Chaim, even if you're going to suggest that there is a Toch Kadei Dibor measurement for signatures on a star, in the case where it turns out that the retraction was true. So let's say someone signs on a star, and then within three to four seconds, they take back their signature, and it turns out that the retraction was true, and the signature was false. So that is a valid retraction. If they retract five minutes later, so then they're unable to take back their signature on the star which now stands on its own. But if it's within Toch de Dibor and it turns out that the retraction was true, so then they are able to nullify their signature on the shtar. So that's how the concept of toch de dibor could apply to star. So now that could combine all the witnesses together if they sign toch de dibor. Says R' Chaim, that's not going to work though, because when a witness retracts his signature on a star, he's not actually nullifying the signature. All he's doing is creating a doubt that so long as we can't prove that the original signature was right, so we're unable to verify the star because of the retraction. It's an un verified star. But once we prove that it is a proper signature on the star... At whatever point that that happens, the star reverts to being valid. So the witness is not actually affecting his signature at all. He's not negating it the way a live witness could remove his whole Haggadah's Eidus. A witness on a star can only create a lingering doubt, so we won't enforce the star. We can't consider it valid, but there's nothing to disqualify the signature if at any point it's proven to be a true signature. So we can't consider the measure. Measurement of toch kadei dibor relevant for a witness on a star because as soon as he signs, it's really over. The signature stands on its own. Whatever happens after that is not going to affect the signature. Even though there is a short window of toch kadei dibor when he could create doubt on the signature. So basically, there is no toch kadei dibor when it comes to signing on a star. So according to Rava, that that is a necessity in order to combine the witnesses together. That doesn't apply to signatures on. Ashtar, so why should one non-kosher witness disqualify the others? So instead, Rab Chaim tries another approach, which is the Gemara never explained why Toch Kedai combines the witnesses. The explanation that the first witness could retract his testimony was Rab Chaim's explanation for this halacha. So says Rab Chaim, maybe that explanation was incorrect. It has nothing to do with whether the witnesses could retract their testimony. That's not the defining factor that combines the whole group together. It's just the halacha in toh dibor. That is the measurement that so long as there's a continuous stream of witnesses, each one toh dibor of the other, they're all combined together. Once there's a longer break, so then they're considered separate groups of witnesses. And that's the idea that we find according to the Rabbanan of Reb Nassan, who hold that the witnesses have to testify together. The idea is that there's a technical rule that in order to be considered one group They need to testify in court together So we see that there is a precedent For this sort of concept That there are technical rules That govern the combination of witnesses So the same is true of Toch Dibor That the witnesses need to testify Within a few seconds of each other In a continuous stream In order to be considered one group But it has nothing to do with the ability to retract So that's why even though the signatures on a star Works differently there's no retraction as soon as they sign they don't get a grace period of tokhde dibor as soon as they're done signing it's immediately finalized and they can't retract it but that doesn't change that the tokhde dibor measurement which is just a technicality still applies to signatures on a star so so long as they sign within tokhde dibor one of the next that combines all of the witnesses together to be considered one big group and if one of them is this disqualified, then the whole group is disqualified. So that's another potential approach. But Rab Chaim doesn't like that approach because since as soon as the person signs on the star, they can't retract it at all. So there is no grace period of toch k'de dibor. So what does it mean to say that there's toch k'de dibor on a signature on a star? As soon as they sign it, the person loses control over the signature. The testimony now assumes a life of its own. So it's as if it's already after k'de dibor. It's like they waited already a few minutes. So. Even even if we say that the concept of tokhde dibor combining witnesses is not because of a retraction it still would not apply to signatures on a star because since a signature on a star takes on a life of its own independent from the witness who signed it as soon as he completes the signature so there's no way to apply the tokhde dibor measurement to a signature on a star it's immediately as if it's after tokhde dibor so there's no way to combine the witnesses using the Toch Dei Dibor measurement. So now we're again back to the question, what combines the witnesses who sign on a star so that one of them can disqualify the others? So now Rab Chaim tries a third approach, which is the Rambam in Hilchus Eidos Chaf Gimel does not require Toch Dei Dibor to combine the witnesses. The Rambam holds that the measurement of Toch Dei Dibor only applies to combine witnesses for Edim Zomimin. But in terms of this halacha of nullifying the whole testimony even if they come after Kdei Dibor they still combine. So that would answer Ab Chaim's question easily that even though there's no Toch Kdei Dibor on the witnesses of a shtar they still combine and one of them could disqualify the rest of them. So according to the Rambam's view we have an answer to this question but the rivid disagrees with the Rambam. He holds that the measurement of Toch Kdei Dibor applies also to nullifying all of the testimony. So according to the Rivid, we still have the question why should one witness on a star disqualify the other witnesses when there's no measurement of Tokh de Dibor combining all of them together? So says Rab Chaim, the only answer for the raivid must be, as he articulated before, that what combines the witnesses is not the signing together on the shtar. It's gathering together to create the shtar. So even though there's no toh k'de dibor to combine these witnesses, we don't need it because toh k'de dibor is only a measurement in terms of the giving of testimony. So what combines all of the people who gave testimony together is if it's within toh but when it comes to a star, we're not dealing with the testimony that they gave or the signatures that they signed. We're dealing with the fact that there was a group gathered to create the star. So there's no requirement of toch dibor for that type of group. That group combines through the process that they're doing, and the whole process of toch dibor is totally irrelevant to that type of combination. So that's why, even though there's no toch dibor measurement for witnesses on a star they still combine and one could disqualify the rest of them because the whole process of Ashtar is totally different than regular testimony. So this again reinforces Rab Chaim's overall approach throughout this piece that what combines the witnesses in Ashtar is the fact that they're doing this process together, not the form in which they deliver their testimony. So now Rab Chaim uses this concept to answer the original question that he began with on the Rambam. So far Rab Chaim's Proved that the reason one witness disqualifies the rest of the witnesses on a star is not because of the form in which they give their testimony, so the actual signing of the star. It's a problem in their essential status as witnesses. They cannot be witnesses because one of the members of their group is disqualified. So it's not about how they give testimony, it's about their essential status as witnesses. So that answers the first question Rab Khaim began with. Which is that the Rambam says if we're unsure whether the whole group sat down to sign together or not, so we assume that this is a valid star, and the non kosher witness signed on their own separately from the rest of the group. So he doesn't disqualify the rest of the group. So Rab Chaim's question was why should we assume that this is a valid star? Why don't we assume that it's an invalid star? Because maybe they did all sign together. We don't know one way or another. So why are we assuming? that it's a good star. So, says Rab Chaim, now we can answer this question because when we're looking at a completed star, we're not looking at the group that gathered together to create the star. We're not evaluating their status as witnesses to the star. We're just evaluating the actual star and the edus, the testimony that's given through the star. So, in terms of that testimony, there are no issues, there's no questions at all because even if one of them was disqualified it's not going to affect the other ones because it doesn't affect the signatures on a star. So, so far as we are concerned, when we look at this star which is signed and completed, we're looking at the various signatures. Whether this is a valid star, and in terms of that, it certainly is. Even if we were to know that one of them is disqualified, it wouldn't make any difference to the actual signatures on the star. So that's why the Rambam rules that unless we can prove they all gathered together, if we don't know any differently, then it's going to be a valid shtar and the signatures are accepted except for the signature of the non-kosher witness. So that explains why there's no problem in that case, because as Rab Chaim's shown, there is no issue with having a disqualified signature amongst the other signatures. The only problem is with the actual status of witnesses of this whole group. So that explains the flip side of this halacha where the Rambam says that if they can prove that they all sat together to begin with, so they all gathered with the intention to include the disqualified person, that would disqualify the star. But how does that work? Because once it's a valid star, no subsequent testimony can disqualify it. So as Rab Chaim explained earlier, the Rambam does not apply Idusan to the issue of where one of the witnesses was disqualified. According to the Rambam, we do not say that once the star is signed, it's valid testimony. And even if one of the witnesses is disqualified, it's not going to affect the star. If one of the witnesses is disqualified, it does negate the star. So that's why if it turns out that the group to begin with was done improperly, we can show that they all gathered together, including a non kosher witness. So according to the Rambam, that would negate the whole star, it would become invalid because since one of the witnesses in the group was non-kosher, so the whole group falls apart and it's invalid testimony. So that explains the two aspects of this halacha in the Rambam. Why if there's a problem with the signatures, it does not invalidate the shtar. Whereas if there's a problem with the status of the witnesses themselves, it does invalidate the shtar. And that all makes sense according to Rab Chaim's approach that there is no issue with a non-kosher signature it will not affect the other signatures because the signatures are not combined together. Whereas there is a problem with one non-kosher witness being part of the group that created the star because that now disqualifies the whole witnessing. So there were no valid witnesses to create this star. So that's Rab Chaim's explanation for this halacha in the Rambam. Now in the sixth paragraph, Rab Chaim moves on to analyze this debate between the Rambam and Tosfos, whether the concept of Khmish makes it that one non-kosher witness won't affect the rest of the witnesses on the star. So the Rambam, as Rab Chaim keeps saying, does not hold that that's the way it works. According to the Rambam, if one of the witnesses is disqualified, even though it's a shtar, so it's still it disqualifies the rest of the testimony in the shtar. So why should that be? So the Beis Yosef in Mem Memhe explains because since this shtar has a glaring problem in it, that there is a non-kosher witness signed on it, so the doesn't get started. We're not going to say that this is verified testimony when there's a non-kosher witness literally signed on the star in front of our faces. So that's the Beis Yosef's explanation for this. Rab Chaim suggests that there's another way to understand the Rambam's view, which is that each witness is it's as if his personal testimony was Was verified in court. But each signature is only verifying that personal signature. It's not verifying the rest of the signatures. So the witnesses on a star are only testifying each person about his own personal validity, not about the rest of the signatures on the star. So even if we do apply it's not going to change the situation because the rest of the signatures, the rest of the witnesses are not testifying that this invalid witness is a kosher witness. So there is still a non kosher witness who signed on the star who's going to disqualify the entire star there's nobody verifying that that was a valid signature on the star so according to the rambam once we find a non kosher witness signature the whole star is disqualified but Rab Chaim asks on this using his classic distinction, that this approach would only apply if we say that the disqualification is in the signatures. So then we could say that each signature is only verifying itself, not the other signatures. So once one of the signatures is disqualified, the rest of them are as well. But Rabheim's Chaim's point throughout this piece is that the disqualification is in the essential witnessing itself, not in the signatures. So if there was a non-kosher witness in the group, the issue is not that he signed with them, the issue is that he was part of the group that created the star. So when we disqualify this star, we're really saying that the group of witnesses was disqualified. Now, the concept of k'mishin echgura idusan bebezdin means that when the witnesses sign on a star, that testimony is as if it's been verified in bezdin. So included in that testimony is that this star was properly done, meaning the group of witnesses who created the star was a proper, valid, kosher group. So now, does include that there was no non-kosher witness in the group. So each of the witnesses is testifying that there was no non-kosher witness in the group. The fact that we say that we don't believe them, we do not say and instead, the shtar is disqualified. So that must mean that we're not looking at the witnesses themselves because there, how could we disqualify 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 it when they're all testifying that the group of witnesses was a valid kosher group. So it must be that the reason this shtar is disqualified is because we're looking at the signatures. And when it comes to the signatures, nobody is testifying that the non-kosher signature is a valid signature. So Rab Chaim's explanation of the Rambam, why we don't say, K'mishnech bebezdin, to prevent disqualifying the whole shtar because of one non-kosher signature, undermines what Rab Chaim's been saying this whole piece. Because this view of the Rambam Does seem to indicate That the issue is in the signatures Not in the essence of the Eidos itself And even according to the Beis Yosef's approach Rab Chaim says we have the same problem The Beis Yosef said that Since there's a glaring problem within the Shtar That we see a non-kosher signature So we can't say To make the Shtar valid But even according to that approach Says Rab Chaim We still have the same issue Because since the issue is not in the signatures. The issue with the non-kosher witness is being part of the witnesses itself. It's an issue with the edus. So what does it matter that we see a non-kosher witness on the star? That only alerts us that there's an issue with the signatures. But against that, we have the testimony of the group that this shtar was done properly. So why don't we apply it's like verified testimony that this star. Was done properly, and the fact that there's a non-kosher witness who signed on it, even though that seems funny, why would someone non-kosher sign on the star? But that only alerts us to a problem with the signatures. But against that, there's still the testimony of the group that this is a valid star. So why is it disqualified? So even the Beis Yosef's explanation leads to the point that the issue is in the signatures themselves. That since one of the signatures has a problem it makes us suspicious of the rest of the signatures so it disqualifies the whole star so either explanation for the Rambam's halacha leads us to a problem that Rab Chaim throughout the whole piece has been saying that the issue is in the witnesses, the edus itself, not in the signatures. But the only way to understand the view of the Rambam that bebezdin doesn't save the shtar from the non-kosher signature is to say that the issue is in the signatures, not in the edus itself. So to answer this, Rab Chaim further refines his whole conceptual framework. Which is that even though the essence of what makes someone a witness on a star is that they're part of the creation of the star, as Rab Chaim explained earlier in the piece, but the only way we know that is because they signed on the star. We have no way to know that someone was part of the creation of a star unless they sign on it. So everything comes from the signature, even though the signature is not the essence of what makes them a witness on this star, but the signature is all we have that they're part of the group that made this star. Now, as Rab Chaim said previously, the signatures on the star are divided into two components. So the element that we see that they were all part of the group that created the star. in terms of that, they're all combined together and we treat them as one group. But then there's a second element, which is that each one signed on the star, which has the status of verified testimony in court. But in terms of that, each person is independent. So they're not verified. Each other's signatures; they're only verifying their own personal signatures. So the signature on a star is a very powerful form of edus. On the one hand, it combines all of the signatories together that they were one group who created this star. On the other hand, each one of them is verifying their own personal signature, but not the rest of the signatures. But the whole thing, all of the witnesses' connection to each other, to the group, to the star all of it comes about because they signed on the star so when they all gather together to create the star And there's a non-kosher witness there. The only time that's a problem and it would disqualify the group is only if he, the non-kosher witness, also signed on the star. But if he did not sign on the star, so even though he intended to be part of the group, since he didn't sign on the star, it doesn't make a difference. He's not part of this group, not for seeing and creating the star and not for signing and delivering testimony. So there would be no problem. The whole star hinges on Who signed on the star? And likewise, if they signed separately, so even though there's a non-kosher witness signed on the star at the end of the day, but since they all signed separately, so they would not combine. Even though we hold that Hoda Akhar Hoda mit Starfin Veidusan Moeles, that if someone admits they owe money and then they admit another time, so there were two different incidents, two witnesses, one from each incident, could combine together, even though they're not exactly the same incident. But says Rab Chaim, that's only in terms of combining to make him pay. But they don't combine in terms of batla miktsasa, batla kula, that if one set of witnesses is disqualified, then the other one is as well. Because at the end of the day, these were two different incidents that they saw. So we see that since there are two different documents, if they're two different shtaros, then the witnesses don't combine all together. So the same is true if they sign at separate times, then they're not all going to combine together. The only way to combine them together is if they gather to see and create the shtar together, and then they sign together, including a non-kosher witness, then that disqualifies the shtar. So now applying this refined formulation of Rab Chaim's idea, and the Rambam is going to answer the question of why we don't apply Kmi Shnech and Bebezdin to protect the star from the non-kosher witness who signed. So, Rabhaim Chaim explains the way he did earlier, but with a twist based on his new formulation, which is that each signature is only verifying itself, not the other signatures. So, there's no signatures verifying the non-kosher witnesses' signature. Now, we don't care about the issues in the signatures, as Rab Chaim explained throughout this piece, because one non-kosher signature is not going to disqualify the rest because the signatures are not combined together. But here there is a problem. Since the non-kosher witnesses signature indicates that he was part of the group because that's the power of a signature on a star, that it indicates that this person was one of the witnesses in the group. So now the non-kosher signature creates a bigger problem, not for the signatures, but for the whole group, because it indicates that there was a non-kosher witness in the group. So the whole group was disqualified and there's nothing protecting the group because the rest of the kosher signatures, even though they're verifying that this was a kosher group, so we might have thought that that testimony would negate the non-kosher signature, but since there's nothing negating the non-kosher signature directly, so there's still an invalid signature and that signature indicates that there was someone invalid in the group itself. So now the group falls apart. So the testimony of the other signatures that this was a kosher group is not able to protect the star from that non-kosher signature, which is creating big problems. And Rab Chaim says that this formulation will also answer the explanation of the Beis Yosef, which was that since there is a non-kosher signature, so that's a big red flag in this whole star. so we're not going to say that it's already considered verified testimony to protect the star from what's clearly a problem that someone non-kosher signed the star, So Rab Chaim had asked that the issue is not in the signatures. The issue is with the group of witnesses that created the shtar. So according to his refined formulation, says Rab Chaim, that the Beis Yosef means that since there is a non-kosher signature, which indicates that that person was part of the group. So now the problem is not only in the signatures, it's with the essential witnesses witnesses who created this star there was a problem in that group that created the star as indicated by the red flag that a non-kosher witness signed the star so even though ordinarily we wouldn't make a big deal about it and we would say that it's still a valid star and we would explain away the non-kosher signature that maybe there was an empty space that he came afterwards and signed in but once witnesses go ahead and tell us that in fact that non-kosher Witness was part of the group that created the shtar. So now the power of the shtar itself, that it's Kamisha Nechkara, Idusan Bebezdin, is not sufficient to protect the star from that testimony. So now there's a real concern that the whole group was disqualified to begin with, and that's why it's a disqualified shtar. So the base Yosef's explanation also fits in with this idea that the key issue with a disqualified witness is that he disqualifies the group creating the shtar, not that he disqualifies the signatures. And Rab Chaim repeats again his proof from the Rambam that the Rambam says the issue with a non-kosher witness is because they all intended to testify together. So that seems very clear that the issue is in the edus of this group, not in the signatures. Otherwise, the Rambam would have emphasized that since they all signed the star together, it disqualifies the star. But the Rambam does not locate the problem in the signatures. He emphasizes that the problem is in the ados, in their very being witnesses on this star. Now Rab Chaim turns to explain the view of Tosvos. And as he already mentioned, Tosos disagrees with the Rambam. He holds, does protect the shtar from the non-kosher signature. So Tosos and Yud Yudches asks the question, why do we assume that the non-kosher signatures only signed to fill in the empty spaces? Why don't we ask them, like the halacha is, that if there are non-kosher witnesses live, we ask them whether they intended to be witnesses or not. So why don't we track down the the Non kosher signatures on the star and ask them why they signed. Why do we assume that it's a valid star? So Rabbi Tam answered that a star is different because Edem nasa the signatures on a star are as if they've been verified in court. So if there's an invalid signature, we're not going to raise questions on the star because it's like verified testimony. So we accept the star and we don't have to ask why the invalid. Valid signatures signed on there. So Tosvos holds that Kamisha Nechra Edu does protect the Shtar from the invalid signatures, which is unlike the Rambam. According to Rab Chaim's explanation in the Rambam, he agrees practically with that halacha that in a case of suffolk, the star is valid because a non kosher signature doesn't disqualify the other signatures because you don't need Hagadas edus. Whereas Tosfos understands that halacha because the signatures on the shtar are like they're verified in court. So it protects the shtar from the non-kosher signature. Whereas the Rambam does not hold of that as Rabbi Chaim just explained, the Rambam holds we do not apply that concept to protect the star from the non-kosher signature, so there is a debate here between the Rambam and Tosvos whether K'mishinechgraydu San Bebezdin protects the other signatures from the non-kosher signature. So Rab Chaim explains that Tosvos disagrees with the fundamental perspective of the Rambam, and he holds that there is a problem with having invalid signatures on a star. So even though that's the Haggadah's Edus, that's the form of giving testimony of. a Ashtar. if one of the signatures is invalid, it's going to affect all of them, and we don't say this concept that Rabbi Chaim said in the Rambam, that when it comes to Ashtar, we don't care about how the testimony is given. All the normal rules are suspended. According to Tosvos, it does matter how the testimony in a star is given. So if there is a non-kosher signature, just like a non-kosher witness disqualifies any testimony, he also disqualifies the star. So that's why Tosso says the only reason this shtar would be good is because of The rest of the signatures are protecting the shtar from the invalid signature which would have theoretically disqualified the whole shtar. So now says Rab Chaim that the Rambam and Tosvos are consistent with another debate that they have, which is in a case of a shtar that only has one witness. So obviously a shtar like any testimony in Halacha requires Requires two witnesses to be valid. What happens if there's only one witness on the star? So Tosos' view in Baba Basar is that such a star is totally worthless. And even if there are two different staros. And each star has one witness on it, and they're saying the same thing. They still don't combine because each piece of paper on its own is worthless. So even the two of them together are totally worthless. So according to Tosvos, a star that has one witness is not considered a half a testimony to combine with another star with one witness, but it's just a meaningless piece of paper. So we see from Tosvos that the concept of Kamisha Nechara Idusan Bebezdin only applies Once a second witness signs on the star, one witness alone does not create that concept only two witnesses. So that means that the two witnesses signing on the star do combine together in order to create So there is a combination of the signatures on a star that they function as a group together and create So that explains why Tosos holds that one invalid signature is going to affect the other signatures because there is a combination of the signatures into a group so if one of the signatures in that group is invalid it disqualifies the rest of the group like a regular case of testimony that one witness disqualifies the whole group now the Rambam in the 14th chapter of Malva Velova and the fourth chapter of Toin Vinitan disagrees with Tosvos he holds that if there is a star with only one witness that will force the other person to make a vow and if they can't swear then they'll have to pay so that's the basic rule of one witness that he's able to force a vow, and according to the Rambam, that applies in the case of a star as well. So according to the Rambam, one witness on a star is no worse than a regular one live witness. It's not better, so we don't consider it like two witnesses, but it has whatever powers one witness live would have. So we see that according to the Rambam, the concept of Commission Dusan Bebezdin applies not only when there are two witnesses. On the star, but even if there's only one witness on the star, it immediately kicks in. So therefore, the Rambam holds: when the second witness signs on the star, there's no combination between the signatures because they're not working together to create. Each one of them alone already has. So that's why the Rambam holds there is no combination of the signatures because each signature stands alone. So So it's as if each of these witnesses would testify in a different court so they wouldn't disqualify each other. So an invalid signature is not going to disqualify the rest of the signatures according to the Rambam. So the issue must be that since they were part of the group, there's no valid witnesses so that would disqualify the shtar. So the debate between the Rambam and Tosvos whether a non-kosher signature affects the other signatures or we have to take it back to the level of the witness themselves is based on this issue as to whether one witness on a star already has which affects whether all of the signatures on a star are combined together or they're each standalone. So this is a very brilliant step from Rab Chaim. But now he questions it because he says, even if we say like Tosvos, that one witness on a star is nothing, that doesn't mean that it's not it's not verified. In Besdin, it could be that it is verified testimony. So, in terms of that concept, we do see the one witness on a star as if the testimony has been accepted by the court. But now there's another issue, which is that a star requires two witnesses. Meaning, there's areas in halacha where two witnesses are required, and there's other cases where one witness is required. So, a star. Even if it's in a case where normally one live witness could accomplish something, if it's on a star, the basic halacha of star is that it must be two witnesses, and one witness can't accomplish anything. So even if this one witness who signed on a star is like his testimony's been accepted by the court, he can't force a shvua because since it's written in a star, nothing can be done through a star without two witnesses. A star is just one of those cases. Cases in halacha where a two witness minimum is required, and Rabbeinu proves this from the Gemara in Bava Basra Kuf Samichay. It has a case where there's one witness on a star and one witness live, and they're both saying the same thing. So the Gemara rules that they combine together to be two witnesses. So this Gemara is saying very clearly that one witness on a star is a valid testimony. That's how he can combine it with the live witness. So how does Tosos read this line? Because he he holds that one witness on a star is worthless. So Tostos explains that what the Gemara means is not a witness on the star and another random witness. It means one witness signed on the star and one witness viewed the giving of the star. So there's an aid chassima and an aid Masira But both of the witnesses are on the star itself. They're just providing their testimony in different formats. One of them signed the star, and one of them viewed the handing over of of the star. So that's why they combine. But in fact, according to Tosvos, if there was an aid on the star and then a random aid testifying live having nothing to do with the star, they could not combine. But Rab Chaim asks, how is Tosos answering the question? Because even if both Adam are connected to the shtar, so one signed on it and one is an Aid Mesira who saw the giving of the shtar. But even so, it's a disqualified, worthless shtar because it only has one witness signed on it. So what does it help to have two witnesses connected to the star when it's a meaningless piece of paper? The aid masira only helps to verify the status of the star once there's a star and it's given over so the aid masira helps you but the aid masira doesn't create a star and since this star only has one signature so it should be totally useless even though there's an aid masira supporting the aid hasima because the aid hasima is the one who creates the nechgra idusan bebezdin that this is the form of giving testimony in the star? But the aid mesira has nothing to do with that. The aid mesira's point is that he saw the giving over of the star, so he's a seeing witness. So, how can the Aid Masira contribute to the Kamisha nechgra Idusan Bebezdin, which is a form of giving testimony that's unique only to a Shtar, that there doesn't need to be live testimony once there's signatures. How does the Aid Masira contribute to that when he's not part of that signature? He's not giving testimony through the Shtar. He's a witness to the giving of the Shtar, but he's not contributing to the Kamisha nechgra Idusan Bebezdin status. Of the star, only the actual signatures can do that, and in this case, there's only one signature on the star. And in addition, Rab Chaim adds that there's a fundamental difference between the eid chasima and the eid mesira. The witness who signs on the star, the eid chasima, is part of the star itself. So his signature is a part of the star. As opposed to the Aid Masira, he helps bring about the halachas of the Shtar, but he's not included in the Shtar itself. He's a separate entity from the shtar. So that also raises the issue. How did these two witnesses combine together the aid Hasima who's part of the shtar with the aid Mesira who's supporting the effect of the shtar but is not part of the shtar itself? So how do the two of them combine? So how does Tostos answer his question if one witness on a shtar is useless why does it work in this case even though there's an aid Mesira along with the aid Hasima? Says Rab Chaim, it must be that one witness on a star is not useless, and even Tosos agrees with that. There's no way to understand this Gemara without saying that even one witness on a star has k'mishinechgra Idusan bebezdin. So when Tosos says that one witness on a star can't accomplish anything, it doesn't mean that it's not a star that won't work. What it means is, as Rab Chaim suggested, that even though this is a valid one witness, it's k'mishinechgra iduso Bebezdin, So the testimony is valid, but the halacha of shtar is that it can't accomplish anything unless there's two witnesses. So that's just the rules of a star. That in order to do anything, there must be two witnesses. So that's what Tosos means. That ordinarily, in order to accomplish anything with a star, there need to be two eide chasima. But in this case, where there's an aid chasima along with an aid misira, since they're both testifying connected to the star, so that's sufficient for the star to work. And there's no problem with the star itself, even though it only has one signature, because that. That's a valid star. It's kmi'ish nechgra iduso bebezdin. The only problem is that he needs a second witness in order to accomplish anything, and the aid mesira is able to combine with him in order to resolve that problem. So that's the view of Tosvos. So now it comes out that even according to Tosvos, one witness on a star is still kmi'ish nechgra iduso bebezdin. So that's going to undermine Rab Chaim's initial idea that Tosos and the Rambam's. Debate in this halacha is consistent with their debate in the case of Ashtar with one witness. Now that's not going to work because even Tosvos agrees that one witness on Ashtar is Kamishanachara Iduso Bebezdin. So even according to Tosvos, each signature on the shtar is totally standalone. it doesn't need another signature to become a valid shtar. So if each signature is valid on its own, so now it's the same as Rab Chaim said in the Rambam, that it's as if each of these witnesses testified in a different court, so the invalid signature should not affect the other signatures on a shtar because they're all disconnected from each other. So in fact, says Rab Chaim, that Tosos is going to agree with the basic framework of the Rambam, that each of the signatures is stand alone. So there's no reason one disqualified signature should affect the others. And the reason it does so is not because of the signatures, which would be a Psul Haggadah, a problem in the delivery of the testimony. But the issue is that the group of witnesses who viewed the creation of the shtar included an invalid witness which disqualifies the entire group of witnesses. So Tosvos agrees with the overall framework of the Rambam. So what does he disagree about? So Rab Chaim explains that Tosvos disagrees with one detail. According to Tosvos, if we have a suffix, we're not sure whether the non-kosher witness was gathered together with them or signed on his own. So we don't assume that the star is valid. We assume that it's invalid. So we err on the side of caution and we assume that there is a problem with this star. if not for the fact of which protects the rest of the star, So that's the detail that Tosos and the Rambam are debating. They both agree that the problem is not in the signatures in the Haggadah but in the actual witnessing of the creation of the star. But according to the Rambam when there's a suffix and we don't know what happened. So since the suffix is in the signatures which is not a problem it's not in the actual witnessing, so we assume that the star is kosher unless there's witnesses that testify that they all signed as one group then it becomes an invalid star. So Rabbi Chaim explained all this earlier. Tosvos disagrees on that detail. He holds that even though there's a suffake, we don't say that the suffake is limited to the signatures, which would not be a problem according to either the Rambam or Tosvos, but according to Tosvos, we're concerned that there is a more fundamental problem, that this non-kosher witness was part of the larger group, so then the whole testimony is disqualified, so we assume that the star is disqualified disqualified, but then there's a different reason why it's a valid star because Kimishanachkarai do so bebezdin, protects the rest of the signatures from this invalid signature. So that's why Tosvos uses that reason, not the Rambam's reason, because according to Tosvos, the Rambam's explanation doesn't cover the case where there's a suffake, and we can't ascertain whether they all signed together. So Tosfos applies a different explanation why the shtar is valid in that case, because it's which is strong enough to protect the rest of the signatures from the non-kosher signature. And again, according to the Rambam, that would not work because the Rambam holds is not enough to protect from a non-kosher signature. So that's the debate between the Rambam and Tosvos, how to apply these different concepts to the practical cases that they're both largely agreeing on or even entirely agreeing on, but there's some conceptual differences how to understand the halachas. Now in the eighth paragraph, Rab Chaim asks another question on his whole approach. Rab Chaim had said that the signatures which are only verify their own personal signature. They don't verify the other signatures on the star. Says Rab Chaim, that contradicts a Gemara in Ksubis Yotes that if there's two people signed on the shtar and then those two witnesses die and then there's two new witnesses who verify that this is their handwriting. So the signatures on the shtar are verified by two other witnesses witnesses, but then they say ha-yuk, tanim ha-yuk, edus ha-yuk, that even though it's their signature, so nobody's questioning that but they were forced to sign or they were children or they were invalid witnesses. So the two witnesses who are verifying the signatures and verifying the star are also saying that it was invalid testimony. So the Gemara rules that if we have another way to verify the signatures on the shtar so let's say we have another document that we know to be theirs, and we can compare the handwriting. So there's another way to verify their signatures without using these two new witnesses. So then it's just a contradiction of treu tre utre. It's like two conflicting sets of witnesses. The witnesses who signed on the star are defending the shtar because it's Kamisha Nechkra Idusan Bibesdin. So it's like verify testimony versus the two other witnesses who are. Saying that it was coerced, invalid testimony. So they're contradicting the star. So it's two sets of conflicting witnesses. Says Rab if he's correct that each witness is only verifying his own signature, so then it's not two conflicting sets of witnesses, because on the star, there's only one witness for each signature. Each witness on the star is verifying their own personal signature that it was done properly, but they're saying nothing about their friend's signature. While contradicting them are two witnesses who are negating each of the signatures. So each signature on the shtar has one witness supporting it, and two witnesses against it. So it's not treyutrey. It's not two conflicting witnesses. It's one witness versus two against the shtar. So those witnesses should beat out the witnesses on the shtar, as the gemar Baba Kama Gimel says, that in such a case, we consider it two against one. So obviously, from the Gemaran Ksubis that says that these are two sets of conflicting witnesses, it's clear that the signatures on the star are not verifying only their personal signature, but they're verifying all of the signatures on the star. So that's why when there's two witnesses on the star, each one is verifying both signatures. So it's considered two witnesses supporting the star versus the two witnesses that are against the star. So that's how it becomes tre utre. So we see from this Gemara that each witness. Is verifying not only his own signature but all of the signatures on the star. So now this contradicts the explanation Rab Chaim gave for the Rambam why we don't apply k'mishnech gra idusa so bebezdin to protect the rest of the signatures from the non-kosher signature. So Rab Chaim had explained because the rest of the signatures are only verifying themselves; they're not saying anything about the non-kosher signature. So there's no way to apply k'mishnech from the kosher signatures to the non-kosher signatures, so that's why the Rambam holds it doesn't protect the valid witnesses from the invalid signature. But now that's not going to work because Rab Chaim just proved that the signatures on a star do testify that all of the signatures were done properly. So, K'mishin echgray du san bebezdin should protect the kosher signatures from the invalid signature. Basically, it should tell us that obviously that invalid signature was done on its own because it couldn't have been done with the valid signatures because the valid signatures are saying that the whole shtar was done properly. And the Rambam clearly contradicts that because the Rambam says that if new witnesses show up and testify that the invalid witness was part of the overall group of witnesses, so the shtar is disqualified. But why should that be? Why don't we apply the k'mishin nechgra idusan bebezdin of the rest of the kosher signatures on the star against the new witnesses? who are undermining the star, and it should be trey Utre. Tre. So why does the Rambam rule that in such a case, the star is invalid, even though the kosher witnesses on the star are testifying that it was all done properly, including that the non-kosher signature was not part of their group. So we're back to the question, how do we understand the explanation of that halacha in the Rambam? So Rab Chaim says that earlier, he had suggested two ways to understand the Rambam One was his approach And the other was The Beis Yosef So his approach Is not going to work Because it was based On this idea That each signature Only verifies itself So instead The explanation is Like the Beis Yosef Had said That since there is A glaring problem With the signatures Because there is A non-kosher signature So we're not going To apply To this star Because there's A red flag With the shtar We only say That it's very testimony when there's no blatant problems with the signatures. But once there's a blatant issue with the signatures, so that undermines Commission Nekurai Dusan and that's why according to the Rambam, if there are witnesses who clarify that the invalid witness was part of the overall group that created the star, so it undermines and invalidates the entire star. And Kimish Neuraai Dusan is not going to protect the star because it doesn't kick in when there's a glaring problem with the signatures. And Rab Chaim adds that in the case where there's a suffake, so we can't ascertain whether they all signed together. So there too, according to Rab Chaim's interpretation of the Rambam, we do not apply K'mishnech Dusan Bebezdin. The reason it's a valid shtar is because a problem in the signatures doesn't invalidate the whole shtar. But we don't apply K'mishnech Dusan Bebezdin for the same reason. Because there's a red flag, so we're not going to go ahead in a case of suffak and assume the best that the kosher witnesses signed on their own and the non-kosher witness signed separately because since there's a red flag, so we have to be cautious. So we invalidate the star. if not for the other explanation for why it's okay. So now given this step, Rab Chaim asks, isn't this going to undermine the whole point of this entire piece? Because he's been saying up until now that the Hagadas Eidos, the delivery of testimony in a star, which is the signatures, is not affected if there's one invalid signature. Because each signature is disconnected from the rest of them. So the invalid signature doesn't affect the other ones. But now, based on what he just said, that's not true. Because the reason each signature is verifying all of the other signatures on the star, not only its own signature, is because the signatures are all connected to each other. So now, even though it's true that each signature stands on its own, in terms of K'mishinech, K'ra'idus, idusan So each signature on its own is as if it's verified in court, but each signature is also verifying all of the rest of the signatures. So that does create a connection between all of the signatures together. So if one of them is invalid, it should affect all the rest of them. So that undermines the whole idea Rab Chaim has been saying in this piece that each signature is standalone and it's not going to be affected by the other ones. So Rab Chaim answers that first of all, it doesn't need to follow that since each signature is verifying all of the signatures that if one of the signatures is disqualified, it disqualifies all the rest of them. Second, says Rab Chaim, even if we do accept that since each signature is verifying all of the signatures on the star, so it combines all of the signatures together, that's only in terms of the treu trey. So each signature has all the other witnesses. On on the star, verifying that it's a good signature. So if there's two witnesses that come up against the star, it's two against two at that point. But it doesn't follow that it creates a combination between the signatures that if one of them is disqualified, it disqualifies the rest. Because in order to disqualify the whole testimony, there needs to be a stronger combination between all of the witnesses, not just that they combined in order to be a group of witnesses against two others. So it's not clear that this form of combination meets the bar to disqualify all of the witnesses if one of them is an invalid witness. So it's possible to defend Rab Chaim's approach throughout this piece that according to the Rambam, a disqualified signature does not affect the other signatures. The only issue would be if the disqualified witness was part of the group of witnesses who came to view and to create. So that's Rab Chaim's overall explanation of the Rambam, and it remains even at the end of his discussion, even though he backed off from the idea that each signature only verifies itself, because it's clear in the Gemara that each signature is verifying all of the signatures on the Shtar, but even so, Rab Chaim's basic idea to explain the Rambam still remains. And now in the last paragraph, Rab Chaim ends with one final question. The Gemara said that if there are two witnesses signed on a shtar and two other witnesses verify that they signed, but they say that they were forced or children or psulim, invalid witnesses. So if we can prove that this is their signature from another source, then it's trey utrey. It's two conflicting sets of witnesses. The witnesses on the shtar versus the witnesses that are undermining and negating the shtar. So Rab Chaim explained this Gemara earlier, but now Rab Chaim asks a question. The halacha is that the witnesses do not need to sign in front of each other. They could each sign the shtar independently. So why are the two witnesses on the shtar considered Trey a unified group of witnesses when it's possible that they signed each separately so neither of them knew about the other one? So now they're certainly not a unified group. They're not testifying each of them about the other one, they're each only testifying about themselves, but they know nothing about the other person. So in a case where they each signed separately without knowing the other person, that would not be a unified set of witnesses. So then there would be two witnesses contradicting each of the signatures, and there's only one person, meaning the witness themselves, verifying each of the signatures. So the Gemara in Babakama Ayan Gimel calls that two against one. The two later witnesses are each contradicting only one witness verifying each signature on the shtar. So the two later witnesses should be totally believed to invalidate the shtar. It should not be two against two. So why does the Gemara say that it's trey against trey when it's possible that the witnesses on the star signed separately and they're not each verifying the other one? So Rab Chaim answers that in the case of Anusim, that they were forced to sign. So then this actually makes sense. Because what the second witnesses are saying is not that the witnesses were disqualified. They're saying that the whole story didn't happen the way the star says it happened. Because assuming the star is correct and then the witnesses were forced to sign on a correct proper star, so then it doesn't really matter that they were forced. It wasn't nice to do, but it wouldn't disqualify the star because the story in the star is actually correct. So the claim of Anusim is not primarily that the witnesses were forced to sign, so it was disqualified signatures, it's primarily that the whole story never happened. So now it's true that there's Trey Trey, because since the two witnesses on the star are testifying that the story did happen, so now those two on the star are going against the two who are saying that the story never happened. And even if the two signed on the star separately, so they know nothing about each other, they're not supporting each other's signatures, but they are both supporting the story and they combine together through the star to testify that this story happened properly. So they are a unified set of witnesses to testify about the story and the two who contradict them are like two sets of witnesses who contradict each other. So the case of Anusim makes sense even if the two witnesses on the star signed separately but then there were two other cases in the gemara where the second set of witnesses say that the first were children or invalid witnesses so there they're not disqualifying the story they're only disqualifying the witnesses once the witnesses are disqualified because they were kids or they were invalid witnesses then it doesn't matter whether the story in the star is correct or not even if it actually happened, the star is invalid. So the two witnesses are only contradicting the signatures on the star, not the story on the star. So in that case, if the two witnesses on the star sign separately, then they're not supporting each other against the two later witnesses. So the two later witnesses should beat the star. But the Rambam in chapter 7 of Hilchus Edus, when he records this halacha, makes it clear that even if the second set of witnesses claim that the first witnesses were kids or psulim. it's still considered trey utre, which is the simple reading of the Gemara. So Rab Chaim leaves it as a question, why should that be? Because it's possible that the witnesses signed separately and it's really two witnesses going against one witness supporting each signature on the star. So this is unusual for Rab Chaim, but he just leaves this question hanging at the end of the piece. So this is Rab Chaim's very lengthy Explanation to explain the view of the Rambam. And in such a sprawling piece, it's hard to list the key conceptual points. The key point that Rab Chaim's exploring is what makes someone a witness on a star, And he goes back and forth on that because on the one hand, obviously the signature is the main part of it. On the other hand, the signature is part of the Haggadah's edus, which is different from a star to a regular live testimony. So the aspect of a star, which is similar, to regular testimony is the witnesses seeing and creating the star itself. So Rabheim tries to balance how those two components work with each other. In addition, Rabheim discusses the nature of the testimony of Ashtar, which is different than regular testimony. He also discusses what combines the witnesses in order for one to disqualify the rest of them. He also discusses whether the enhanced status of witnesses on a star protects them from a disqualified signature as well as whether each signature, each witness on the star is verifying all of the other witnesses or not. So there's really a lot in this long, sprawling piece from Rab Chaim, and anyone who made it through with me, you have my respect.